Welcome to Sales in the Subscription Economy, Season 1, Episode 18. I'm Amanda Northcutt of SubscriptionCoach.com, and my guest today is Jenny Lewis, Director of Sales at SurveyGizmo. Jenny is an accomplished sales leader with a solid track record of success in real estate, insurance, and technology. She's known for her uncanny ability to build, motivate, coach, mentor, and develop high-performing sales team. And she's joining us today from just down the road from me in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. We're excited for you to share your sales wisdom with us today. And with that, let's dive into the 12 questions. First off, tell us a little bit more about your sales career, where you've been, how you got to where you are now, and of course, a bit about SurveyGizmo. Yeah, so I joke uh, with pretty much all of my friends and family, a uh, majority of my family is in the music business. And so I wanted to do anything other than that. I wanted to get into something super stable. Hmm. Um, so <laughs> I had somewhat of a crisis of decision and, and chose insurance and real estate simultaneously and got licensed in both um, in 2008. Oh uh, not a time to be in real estate. So not the best decision I've ever made. But um, I learned a lot about that business and started uh started a company with a friend of mine, basically doing contract to close business. We outsourced it and, and worked with multiple real estate agents who really met a need. Um, and that really kind of cut my teeth as far as number one, being a business owner and then two, being in sales, really helping to understand pain points, uncover value, and then learning to adjust and pivot as a salesperson to really meet a need and kind of carve out your niche. So um, like I said, I started in real estate and insurance and stuck with insurance and worked for a brokerage in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, for a few years and really started to talk to customers and understand insurance and then uh, transitioned out to Colorado, came out here with my family and got an opportunity to work for a marketing organization in insurance and uh, started really coaching insurance agents on how to sell products to their customers. So, you know, my sales, I think my sales career really happened almost accidentally and then organically. Mm. I started to learn to, to listen to customers and really identify value and position the product that I was selling to meet a need as opposed to selling whatever it is I wanted or what made the most sense for me. Um, and then I got an opportunity with that marketing organization to move into leadership and started coaching my peers and still coaching um, insurance agents in my own book of business and then working with folks that took on administrative tasks in the back office, started coaching them as well. Um, so yeah, so I just, I then got recruited by Vertifor um, because I did know their customer base so well, the insurance agent, I was one and then coached insurance agents and understood their pain points and value propositions, their buyer values and win themes. And they offered me a job as a sales manager there. And it was my first foray into technology. Um, and I really just enjoyed it. I love coaching salespeople in SAS. I love the process. I love discover. I love it all. I love helping people get better at what they do day in and day out. I am now at, as you mentioned, I'm at survey gizmo and I am the director of sales and account management side of the house. Um, and you know, I'm just, I'm learning to work in many industries as opposed to just in insurance, really understanding buyers and their personas and what matters to them. Uh, our company is, I mean, it's all kind of in the name, which pigeonholes us a little bit, but it's survey platform, but we do so many other things. We are really trying to revolutionize uh, 
what we do by becoming more solutions focused and meeting our customers where they are and teaching them how to take the feedback that they get from their customers or employees and operationalize it and really do things inside of their business that matters, right? Using those signals from their customers and their employees to, to make the right business decision and make the right next move. Oh, I like that you guys take it to that level. That's really helpful because the data is no, no good if we don't uh, know what to do with it, don't know how to interpret it and then um, put it into practice. So that's really cool. And oh my gosh, your beginning of your career is just dripping with irony. I can't believe you got into real estate in 2008 for the specific reason of wanting stability. That's just, uh-huh. oh my gosh. I'm yeah. sorry, you, but man, you got right back on the horse there and uh, here you are. So yeah. Um, tell us what sources you rely on to stay up to date on the sales and sales management profession right now. I'm a little bit, I would say I'm a little bit of an outlier or somewhat of an outcast or the exception to the norm as it, as it pertains to sales leadership. I draw inspiration or continue education or, you know, just honing my craft as a sales leader. I like to pull from a variance of sources, uh, as a sales leader, some of my favorite podcasts are one of them is Oprah Winfrey's masterclass. I love hearing from different celebrities and or leaders in, in different industries about how they got to where they are and how they have motivated people to do what they do. I also am a hmm. fanatical sports fan. It doesn't really matter what sport it is per se. I have a heart for basketball to be quite honest. I love Phil Jackson. He was a coach of the Lakers. Hmm. Um, I love the way that he coaches his team and how he really meets or where he, he met his players where they were. And he really tried to figure out a way to connect with them and then brought things to them. A matter I just got done watching the, uh, the bulls documentary with Michael Jordan, the whole story of Michael Jordan, uh-huh. the name escapes me, but I just found such inspiration from some of the things that he was saying that he even did with like Dennis Rodman and everybody knows kind of how crazy Dennis Rodman is, <laughs> but you know, just his persona, right. Um, in the media and things, he, he seemed to kind of be out there and Phil Jackson kind of spoke to that a little bit and talked about how he met Dennis where Dennis was and how he really had a great understanding of Michael Jordan. And I kind of took away from that, that it is important for sales leaders to really get to know their team and manage to their team. And so listening to Oprah Winfrey masterclass and kind of watching those shows and kind of gleaning a little bit of education there has been super important for me. Um, books. I love anything by Simon Sinek right now. I'm currently reading leaders eat last and it has just mm. been eye opening. Um, I also love anything by Patrick Lencioni for the five dysfunctions of a team has been, it was a game changer for me when I read it a couple years back and has really yeah. helped me kind of in my peer to peer relationships with other managers on my team and then learning how to work inside an executive team. It's been really impactful. As far as sales books, um, I love how to win friends and influence people. I love the challenger sale. I love anything on strategic selling. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Jeb Blount's um, sales gravy, right? We spoke a little bit about the attention span of sales leaders and sales people. It's nice, it's nice and condensed and you get a lot out of it. <laughs> That's right, yeah. And uh, John Barrows' is Make It Happen is also pretty great um, for, for salespeople. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll link all those to the show notes. Have you read much about um, longtime San Antonio Spurs coach, Greg Popovich? Oh, the pop. We love oh, him yeah. in my house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've read a little bit about him and his methodology. I, I, you really 
can glean a lot just from their demeanor in the press and the way that they handle interviews and the way that they talk about their team. He seems to be a really guarded coach. He takes care of his players and he's mm-hmm. really down to earth, which I respect. You know, what you see is what you get with him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I read a book last year, The Culture Code. I can't remember who uh, it's by, but I'll link it in the show notes. And he um, kind of featured the San Antonio uh, Spurs and how Popovich leads. And I mean, it was just fascinating. So you should get a copy of that. You would just eat up that chapter. Um, it's, it's, it's like nothing else. So very I cool. definitely um, check that out when you link it. Um, the other thing that I didn't mention and I meant to Amanda was my network. Um, having yeah. a mentor, having a mentor and having a network is the most important thing a sales leader and a salesperson can do. Get a mentor. You know, if you're the, you're the best player on your team, you need to find a new team. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And so I really lean hard on my network of other sales leaders, leaders in other industries, really anybody that manages another human being. I've got kind of folks of all walks of life within my network group, and I, I really rely on their sage advice. I, I rely on their wisdom, and I love to bounce ideas off those folks. Yeah. Touche. That's a great point. Do you have a formalized mentor relationship with anyone right now, or is that just something that's been kind of thematic throughout your career? Um, I definitely get a mentor in whatever uh, organization I happen to be in. So I like to have a mentor that is senior to me within the organization that I'm in, mm-hmm. but I have had a, a mentor uh, my entire sales career and I speak with her. It's another female, which I, I love because she has a unique understanding of what it's like to be a woman in a revenue generating mm-hmm. organization. Um, she's still in real estate. God love her. She owns <laughs> pink eight remaxes now yeah she really kind of figured that one out but she knows what's up Uh she does um (laughs) i i normally speak with her monthly there have been a couple times over the years where we've gone to quarterly as it you know as our schedules allow but i she is kind of my my touchstone and somebody that i really heavily rely on and i even love to follow her career through like social media and linkedin she's kind of always in the middle of something or doing something to improve her community or be a mentor to other leaders. And she really understands uh, what it means to be a master of your craft. She's always practicing and she's such a large inspiration to me, even though she's not in SAS. Um, Yeah. So yeah, love her. Good. Good for you. That sounds like a fantastic relationship. And I like that it sounds like you guys have some kind of mentor program uh, within SurveyGizmo as well, which I always highly recommend to clients. And that's such a good way to bring uh, fresh leaders up through the the ranks. So very cool. Um, Okay. With your varied experience in different industries, have you found running or running a sales team or being a salesperson in an organization um, different, you know, selling a one-time transaction product versus a recurring revenue product? Or service? Um, I will say this in insurance and real estate, it's all about the relationship, right? A lot of the business is referral based. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the business is based on the level of service that you <laughs> provide and pride yourself on. If you put a large emphasis on doing what's best for your client or customer, and that is your focal point not your commission, not, you know, some fan people are money motivated. I'm money motivated. I can't say that I'm not, but that was never really my focal point when I was working in kind of that one-time transaction sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rest kind of took care of itself. Like I had repeat customers. I had a referral business. It worked really, really well for me as an individual contributor. And I really carried that over into my leadership style. 
I think that it is challenging in a recurring revenue situation where you're having to renew annually um, to, to stay in front of your customer, stay relevant, you know, do the things you need to do. You really need to have a framework and a process in place as a leader and as an individual contributor in order to make the most of the relationship. Mm. In one-time transaction sales, a lot of times you sell it and then you can walk away and you may never talk to that person again. That's not what the best salespeople do in that one-time transaction sale environment, but right. what a lot of people do, um, it's a lot easier to get away with that in that one-time sale than it is this recurring revenue organization. So uh, I'm, I brought that kind of relationship, customer service focus into you know how I like to run my organization and how I coach my salespeople, but it's definitely more challenging. All right. So Jenny, what changes to your projections, strategy, and sales tactics have you guys made in light of the economic challenges brought on by COVID-19? Um, as far as strategy is concerned, we really haven't deviated from how we started at the beginning of the year. Uh, projections haven't changed much. Obviously, there has been some change. I think that can be said for every organization that's in recurring revenue or SaaS. Um, I think those projections changed. One thing I can say about being at Survey Gizmo, which I'm very fortunate to say and I'm incredibly grateful that I can say it, is that um, we are pretty sticky with our customer base. And so it didn't require a ton of change in who we are as an organization, the way we conduct business day to day. We definitely believe in being easy to do business with. And so if there is some flexibility and, you know, payment terms here and there, or, or a few other things that are in our contract, you know, we've definitely been willing and able to hear our customer base out. We pride ourselves in feedback. That's our entire business. right? right. <laughs> so we take what our customers say. We really listen. Um, we've, we just, we've been human in our approach to all of this and we want to help businesses where we can, you know, definitely your business and we want to be profitable and continue to be financially viable. But, um, we just want to meet our customers where they are and do what's right for them and their business while doing what's right for ours. And so luckily, like I said, we haven't had too much of a, a shift in our projections or strategies or really in our sales tactic. But one thing it's allowed us to do is really get to know our customers because we mm. really, when you go through something hard with another human being, you're, you're kind of tied together. You know, you always have that experience to point back to. And so it's been I don't know. I feel really lucky to be able to help the customers that we have uh, get what they need and help them where we can. And I know that they appreciate it. And it'll be something that we've always, there's something that we can point back to that we went through together in our relationship in this partnership. Mm -hmm. And I think it just makes us more sticky. So um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Companies who really put in uh, to their customers and pay it forward and, you know, level with them, listen to them, engage with them are going to come out of this thing so much better than those who uh, shrink back and don't allow flexibility in contracts and, you know, act out of fear. Uh, so that's, that's great that you guys are doing that. Um, sure. And we definitely had, you know, we did like March 16th, I can tell you, Amanda, and I'll remember that day forever, right? Like that's really the decision that we went to work from home and our organization is not historically been a work from home environment, mm. but we were really ducking and covering. And there was kind of a, a fear mindset. I think that all organizations went through and all of this kind of hit, we have no idea yeah. what it's going to look like or what was going to happen. And then six weeks 
after the fact, we really started to have more engagement from our install base and our, you know, our regular customer base. We really started to have more and more conversations and start to really reach out and help out where we could. And then about eight to 10 weeks into all of this, we started to see our new business projects come back and start to get engagement again on projects that were put on hold. Um, so I don't mean to be tone deaf because I know that's not the case for other organizations, even in the Denver area. Um, they weren't as fortunate. So I definitely don't want to be like, oh, we're so great. Look at us. You know, we hung on. Um, but we, like I said, we we're very lucky to not have to make a ton of changes. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I think part of your answer to that question will um, translate well here to the next one. What's your best advice for sales teams competing in the subscription economy right now who have been, uh, you know, kind of dealt a, a bad hand of cards with the economic downturn? A uh, couple things almost immediately hopped to mind. Uh, first being, look at your messaging. Pay very close attention to how your sales reps are going out to your customer base or to prospects and positioning your company. How are you talking about you, right? Like that really matters right now because you want to find a way to become mission critical to every organization that you support. Yeah. You can find a way to become mission critical, right? There's that stickiness factor we talked about a little bit ago, um, or that I mentioned, excuse me, a while ago. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would really encourage sales team, sales leaders, get back to the basics, really get good at qualification, get really, really, really good, mm -hmm. <laughs> tighten up around discovery. You can never ask a customer too many questions to understand where their pain points are. One thing I'm noticing across my network, when we're talking to a prospect or a customer, we don't stop and understand how they do their job, not just how we fit into do how, how they do their job, excuse me, how we fit into their job, but how they do their job, what they do day in and day out, why it matters to the organization, really getting to understand the human on the other end of the line. We don't take time to do that. We're just trying to find a need for whatever it is we're selling. And that'll oftentimes really get you in trouble and really disqualify you from the sale. If you don't understand how to carry that relationship forward and how to matter to the person on the other end of the line. Hmm. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me hop off my soapbox. <laughs> no, that was fantastic. I love that. Uh, anything else on that one? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. One other thing. Uh, obviously some, some organizations and even ours to some extent, we're operating out of a scarcity mindset, right? We're trying to do more with the resources that we have available. There are hiring freezes. There are a bunch of initiatives going on to protect, you know, revenue, protect capital, protect cash, you know, remaining financially viable for the long term, really understanding your business continuity plan. However, I will say this as a sales leader, the people that drive sales for me day in and day out are just their people. There's a there's a lot about being a human being right now, giving everything that's going on in the world. And I think that as a sales leader, what matters most to me is keeping that top of mind that yes, I want performance. I want to coach. I want to close deals. Cause that's my job. That's what I'm, I'm doing, but it's a scary time for everyone. And I think being sensitive and being empathetic goes a really long way with your team. You will see more loyalty, more performance out of treating your people like people as opposed to numbers and, you know, really driving hard on metrics and things like that. Yes, that's a great point. Uh, tell us about how cross-departmental communication is handled at Survey Gizmo. I mean, I'm sure this has been, uh, sounds like a major switch with the move to uh, remote work. So how was that handled before and how did you guys successfully make that transition? Goodness. So 
fortunately, before we started working from home, we as sales managers got together and decided to become department captains. And what that means is one manager owns the relationship with another department Hmm. and is responsible for setting uh, other weekly or biweekly standups and you know, really collaborating with a department head on where we all could be better in our interactions. And then, you know, identifying processes or uh, identifying gaps in existing processes to improve upon. And so we really, again, we're a feedback company. So (laughs) we really started to hear from leaders and other stakeholders across the organization. And it really helped us as a sales team and as a leadership team, identify pain points and areas for improvement almost immediately. And I have great relationships with my peers and other, you know, departments and our stakeholders where if I need something or something isn't going well, we can just have a really candid conversation about it and get what we need out of it. And I really believe that it's helped us identify um, kind of our plan, whether it's a product roadmap or what we're going to do in marketing to drive more leads or how we get more aligned as a success and account management org or a sales org to really do what's best for our customers. It really aligned well with our values. So communication is great. We love to have them at our sale, other departments at our sales huddle to talk through things that are working things that aren't, Mm -hmm. but we really do believe in open and honest feedback as a company. That's a a definite value that we have and it, it goes really well for us. That is really cool. Okay. So you guys have department captains and it sounds like you kind of, meet with each other well two of you meet together for an hour each week and then you're in some kind of rotation so everybody gets back around to everybody else over some period of time is that right yeah so we we went through an assignment process in one of our manager a sales manager huddles and we all we kind of parsed out the different departments we're like okay you cover marketing you've got sales operations you've got success and that is support and ps you've got product and engineering let's go talk with them and see what they need from us or where we can get better right like that was the initial initiative um, and then, you know, those standups have continued and we start to improve upon process or we start to improve upon paths of communication or, you know, we've got a sales rep that maybe keeps breaking the process <laughs> or not doing things exactly right. We're getting that level of coaching or feedback. Um, and then, and then we go and do something about it, right? We operationalize on it and we go and fix it. And as we fixed the things that were wrong, we started to be able to brainstorm with our counterparts and talk about ways to improve upon our two departments interaction to, you know, make things more successful for the customer. So each manager owns a relationship um, and then is responsible for coming to our sales huddle and talking about that relationship and what they're seeing and what's coming, you know, what the fruit of the labor actually is. And it's been very impactful to say the least. That's great. And this is going to be such a key takeaway of our chat today. I know that, you know, I feel like I couldn't read a business article in 2018 without there being discussion of breaking down departmental silos and improving Uh cross-departmental communication. But, you know, so many people still don't have it figured out. And now, you know, we're suddenly all remote. And so I think um, that's a really great and effective approach. So thank you for sharing that and digging down a little bit into the details. So I hope that people are able to draw inspiration and emulate what you guys are doing successfully. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. In what ways are individual members of the sales team at Survey Gizmo held accountable for the retention of their customers? For example, is their pay structured in such a way that they're incentivized to help ensure renewal happens or is that all customer success or what? Uh, no, our account management team is definitely compensated on their renewal rate. And we 
take, we measure it quarterly. We have a renewal base. So like I said, we break it down into quarters. We take a snapshot of their book and then they renew against it. Anything over that renewal base is then considered growth and anything on that renewal base, they are compensated if they hit certain percentages. Um, as you can imagine, I think every company has experienced churn to some extent uh, through everything that's going on right now. Yeah. And so it's, it's been a little challenging, I'd say, to hit the percentages that we outlined in the compensation plan. At the beginning of the year, we had higher hopes. We didn't know all of this was going to happen. <laughs> uh, so we're being pretty sensitive to that. But, you know, again, fortunately, we haven't had more churn than we had projected. So I feel like we were pretty well set as a company for that. But our reps are definitely compensated for the customers. They keep coming back and the relationships that they're able to renew. As far as accountability is concerned, I think, how to say this, as a sales leader, especially a sales leader that's over a strategic team, get involved as often as you can right now. Set down some of the company initiatives, let processes be a little bit messy for right now, mm-hmm. and get into these conversations uh, for customers that are renewing. Help your sales reps win that business model some behavior over phone calls by taking the phone call yourself, like really get into the trenches with your folks. Yeah. It, I, I know it's definitely helped uh, my team and some of the other sales leaders in my, in my network have expressed the same, that they're kind of going back to being a sales rep again and helping, not taking it over, but modeling behavior and coaching there after the fact, but really showing the customers that we care by bringing a little bit of title power to the yeah. conversation. Yeah super helpful. Um, yeah, I mean, we definitely hold them accountable, our, our sales reps for, for reaching their targets based on that percentage of renewal rate taken on a quarterly basis, just to get back to your question. I know I kind of, no, that's great. <laughs> that, was a, right hole. that was a great explanation. Okay. So that that's great. I really like that approach personally. Um, so how do you coach your sales teams up on properly setting expectations for recurring revenue customers? I think that if you take care of the customer and you keep a focus, like we talked about earlier on the relationship, the rest really takes care of itself. Uh, when I came into survey gizmo, I came with a mindset to bring a more programmatic approach to account management and our uh, opportunity management as a whole. Mm-hmm. I believe in being more, I don't know, it's like a doctor versus a dentist mentality. Most people think about this a little bit differently than I do. So bear with me through this explanation, but when you go, when I go to a dentist, I generally know what to expect, right? Like I know I'm going in for a cleaning. I've, I've had it before. I know exactly what that process is like. And if they find something that, you know, like a cavity or something that I don't want to deal with, we set up an appointment later, but they walk me through what that process is going to be like. And like, I really know nobody wants to have your, your mouth drilled into, but you know what you can <laughs> expect from a dentist. When I go to a doctor, I already don't feel well. I don't know what they're going to tell me. Who knows what they're going to come up with? Like, you just don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's a little bit scary there. Um, so when it comes to setting expectations, I tell my team, be a little bit more like a dentist and really explain <laughs> to your customers what they can expect out of the relationship. If it turns out that we're selling something that they may be interested in, walk them through your sales process and how this is going to go for them. Um, And if they come to expect a really deep level of communication from you and it's something that they can rely on, your sale, you have a no surprise sales process bearing some unforeseen issue inside of your customer's organization, right? Like they're going to get really comfortable with you really, really quickly because they can rely on you and because you are predictable. 
right? Mm -hmm. So they are far more forthcoming with objections, things they do and don't, you know, do and don't like out of your relationship or the product or whatever. They're just more candid as a whole. So if you can really set expectations around the relationship, around your sales process, around, around the way things are just going to go, you're going to have an easier time with your customer base every time. Yes. I love that. Never in my life have I heard that dentist versus doctor analogy, but it lands. It works. I totally get what you're saying. Um, and, and yeah, only give positive surprises to your customers. I'm not a person that likes surprises very much anyways, but my least favorite type of surprise is obviously a negative surprise. So we don't want our prospects or customers to find um, bumps in the road or negative surprises. So I love that you have your reps walk people through you know, if you do this, here's exactly what you can expect from me. Here's exactly what's going to happen. And I bet your reps are excellent at that since you're kind of, uh, they're accountable for that, um, that renewal, securing that renewal and are, and are compensated as such. So great analogy. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, are you guys currently in a hiring freeze? We are not. We are hiring right now. Awesome. Love to hear that. Uh, and I'm hearing that more and more as I get further down in this season. So that's extremely encouraging. I hope for everyone listening. Um, so would you want to share some tips on how you guys successfully source talent? Uh, what works, what doesn't, how do you test for skills and cultural fit? Absolutely. Um, as far as sourcing talent, we are very fortunate to have a wonderful HR department. Uh, Heather and Carla and Christiane do a great, great job for us. Just to name a few people in my organization, yeah. they do screen applicants for us. We, had a posting on LinkedIn. You can find the job posting on our website. Um, there are a couple other avenues we go as far as our job posting is concerned, but um, we, we screen for the strategic space around folks that have had, ex have had experience, excuse me, working with C-level executives and really know their process. Amanda, I struggle right now in interviews. And this is, I guess, just like a pro tip. If you've got sales reps listening to this and they want to know how to do really well in an interview with us, mm. know your process specifically, mm. not conceptually. Don't speak to me about a high level, but come in with a deal that you closed or worked on and worked cross departmentally and like brought more and more salespeople into the process. Know your process, know your deal and be willing to speak to it. Hmm. Um, I, I can't tell you, I was just actually talking to my CEO, David, uh, right before this call. And we were talking about a candidate interview and we are just having such a hard time kind of digging out a rep's specific process on a specific deal and who they worked with. And, you know, if it's a large enterprise deal, I ask a really general question. I'm like, how'd you do that? And I almost get this like deer in the headlight. Look, I'm like, you sold it. You should know how you did it. How'd you do it? Yeah. And, you know, it's just been a really difficult question for us. I don't know why, but, um, you know, that's really what we're interested in. I also, as far as sourcing is concerned, uh, I definitely would prefer somebody that's got technology, you know, sales technology background or has had some experience, but one of, one of the greatest reps I've ever worked with was not a salesperson. I'll never carried a quota. Um, she was in customer success mm. and she was a tremendous salesperson. So, um, as far as sourcing talent, think outside the box a little bit. Don't get so tied up in years as an account executive or an account manager. Think about what you really need for the job and think about the gaps on your team and then hire for that. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about that. As far as the way that we assess candidates for skills, um, we do, you know, our CCAT or Ravens test. We, we have that as a part of our screening process. Um, Skills for a candidate 
in specific, I'm going to quote uh, Pat Lencioni a little bit. We love humble, hungry, smart. Uh, hmm. And I'm sure some of you are familiar with that. Uh, maybe some of you aren't, but obviously somebody, somebody that's hungry, wants to win, loves their job, has a passion for it. Somebody that ex can be humble, have a little bit of humility, understand that they don't know it all and they don't have to. Yeah. And then smart isn't smart in the traditional sense. It's people smart. Somebody with a high EQ that can read a room. It knows when a buyer's not interested by certain, you know, maybe cues, tone of voice, the way that they move on a call. If you're on a video call or whatever, mm -hmm. thank goodness for zoom. I can tell you that right now. saved yeah. a lot of those conversations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the candidates that we're looking for. We also want folks that align with servicegismo values, right? Heart for service, be curious, find a way. Those are our three values and, and we live and breathe those as salespeople. So we're looking for folks that can really hang on to those values and apply them every day. I like that. Uh, and I can, I can tell that you guys do live out those values just based on your answers to the previous question. I like that. Heart for service, be curious, find a way. That's, that's catchy. Um, <laughs> I bet that's intentional. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Just two more questions. What's one to three pieces of advice you'd give other sales leaders competing in the subscription economy? And what would you have said pre COVID-19? Um, gosh, that's a great question. I think I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Amanda, get back to the basics. Don't view a slowdown. If you're experiencing a slowdown in your organization is the worst thing to ever happen to you. It actually gives your sales rep more time to have more meaningful conversations, to really practice role play, get back to the things that make a salesperson great, right? Qualification, discovery, negotiation, really setting up their SC solutions engineer, excuse me, for success by more and better discovery, um, and then closing, really work through closing, how to ask for the close, position the close, when it's right to do it, when it isn't. Mm -hmm. Get back to the basics. Really pay attention as a sales leader to how you coach, right? Like, what does your coaching framework look like? It's important to have a sales process and a sales framework, but what is your coaching framework? How do you apply that? Are all of your sales leaders doing not the same thing because everybody's different, but similar things, right? To mm -hmm. make sure that your sales reps know what to expect from their leadership team. I really think you focus on those things right now. Um, go back and another piece of advice would be to go back and look at your closed loss deals and almost do an autopsy and then go, go after it again, go try and re-engage with those folks and see if there is a new way that you could position value or position your company to really help them right now with what's going on right now, because deals that we were talking about six, eight, 10 months ago could look completely different today. Yeah. So go back. Um, Pre-COVID-19, goodness, uh, I feel like we were living in somewhat of a land of abundance. Everything was new and exciting. We had all these great opportunities, you know, so many wonderful things were happening, but it, after everything that happened, I'm actually, I'm thankful for the slowdown in some way in that it's forced me as a sales leader to figure out a way to talk about survey gizmo as a need to have, not a nice to have Yeah, and becoming mission critical. And it's really put a spotlight on how we talk about ourselves and we are continuing to improve upon that, iterate on the way we've done it in the past and really tighten up our sales training. Mm. So yeah. <laughs>
That's all really good advice. And I totally agree with you on um, getting back to the basics. This is such a fantastic time for reflection and to work uh, not just in the business, but on the business. So yeah, good points, Jenny. Okay. Last question. I'm a firm believer that sales makes the world go round and we have a tremendous responsibility as salespeople to get the economy moving again. How can we speed up that process? I, so I, you know, I love this question. I kind of skipped ahead a little bit and read this question. I love this question because it, for me, it's kind of an easy answer. It's be easy to do business with. Mm. Don't get so tied up in terms and, you know, haggling every nickel and dime and don't get so caught up in winning that you lose the deal. Mm. So I would really encourage any salesperson or sales leader to put your customer at the forefront of your mind, really do have that. I'm going to sound a little kitschy (laughs) (laughs) heart for service. Um, and really do be empathetic, do what's best for your customer, figure out how to help your customers will remember it always. Even if you have to give a little bit more than you get right now, your customers will remember it. And they'll tell their, their friends too. So uh, referral business is wonderful, but yes, absolutely. I agree with that, Amanda. Awesome. Anything else to add? Uh, don't give up right now. I know things are we're going to hear a lot of no's and things are challenging. Projects are going to get put on hold. Sales cycles are going to go on and on and on. It seems into forever. Don't lose sight of those deals. Don't stop talking to your customer, even if they, or prospect, even if they keep pushing out, you know, their timeline or their decision date, do not give up. Um, and I know it's really easy to do with salespeople. We are pretty, we're an emotional bunch and no's can be super discouraging, especially right now, but it's no right now, not no forever. Yes. Love that. Thank you again to Jenny Lewis of Survey Gizmo for her amazing insights and advice. Check out the show notes to get all of Jenny's recommendations and you can book a 30 minute exploratory call with me from there as well. I help founders of SaaS subscription and online membership businesses get their revenue machines running at full strength through coaching, consulting, recruiting, and as a fractional executive. See you next time on sales in the subscription economy.